The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest and greatest edition of The Chris Sheeran Show. I'm Chris Sheeran, and uh, alongside of me, as always, is Mr. Lou DiPietro. He's waving to you. You can't see that, so I'm going to describe it to the Radioland people. He is, uh, his right arm is up. His right hand is cupped together like the Queen of England, and he is just slightly pivoting his wrist back and forth while he moves his head in, 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 in amazement. That's exactly what it was. It was the Queen of England wave. There you go. <clears throat> so You'll be able to see that soon when we go Facebook live. Yeah, I just did play-by-play of your uh, fotch. And your hand. Mafacha brut, yeah, as you would that. say in Italian. Um, yeah. I, well, since you brought it up, let's talk about the face, Facebook Live. You're going to get to see our faces. And you're mm, going to get to watch this live. On the book face. As it happens. And you're going to be able to send questions. You're going to be able to interact. You're going to be able to do all that great stuff that normal shows get to do right. <laughs> with me and Lou. And uh, twice a week. So how about that? It's going to be fantastic. I'm excited. We got mics. We got mic stands. Working on getting a banner. Sorry. We're like a real show. Only if it takes off, we'll get the banner. You know, got to dig into the budget for that one. Um, <laughs> don't want to waste the money. I got the old Mike and the Mad Dog banner we could use, but that just wouldn't make any sense. Can we just use the, the, can we just use the posters you have on your wall of sure. David Wells' perfect game and sure. Jim Leyritz Homer? I'll hold it up for the whole podcast. We'll just prop it up on your desk. Yeah, that's fine. Well, if they looked behind us now, they would see, you know, what's on your... What's on your desk, which is a few signed pictures of various players, um, um, the flag and purple heart that you've described uh, on this podcast in yes. the past. Mike Torres, Mickey Mantle, mm-hmm. Bucky Dent, Greg Nettles is up there. Um, and a Rowan football helmet. Rowan University football, the fighting professors, worst nickname of all time. It's not even fighting. It's just Rowan professors. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get it. It was opened as a teacher's college. Let's... You know, try to advance with the times. And please, if we're going to change our nickname, don't go with like an endangered species like PCU. We, we do not want to be the Rowan whooping cranes. <laughs> the California condor redskins. You go with that one? I don't think that would work no. at all. No. I was just trying to throw in an endangered species and a buzzword. Ah. So redskins. Harry Reid wouldn't like that at all. No. Anyway. Harry. Uh, so we have Devin on. Dial D for Devin. We did dial D for Devin. Um, and he did a tremendous job, as he always does, as he did on the BK Connect. And we were talking about the Nets moving forward in the offseason. <clears> and <throat> as he so eloquently tweeted out jokingly yesterday, well, I guess I could cross off the coach search from the offseason primer that's debuting tomorrow. Uh, yeah, the Nets went out and uh, hired a coach, and uh, it's basically what we were talking about they needed to do. They needed to do something quick. They needed to go out and get someone who uh, shares the kind of thought process and the culture that Sean Marks, their new general manager, wants to build, the assistant GM, Trajan Langdon, and now they have their guy in place, one of the most sought-after uh, assistants in the NBA. Now, look, the Nets didn't you know, use a bazooka to kill an ant. This proves they're not trying to compete with the Knicks to, to get a big name in here and to be, all right, well, we got Jeff Van Gundy. Uh, we got a big-name coach, so right. we'll, we'll get the back page for a week. No. They no. went, this guy's 48 years old. He was Mike Budenholzer's top assistant, 
and Atlanta. Budenholzer was under Greg Popovich. He's, so he's a, he's a he's a, an apple that fell from the pop tree. Right there you go. So he's a Spurs guy. I mean, we got a new coach on one side of town, on the other side of town, a radio host is starting a GoFundMe to buy Phil Jackson a plane ticket back to Los Angeles. So that tells you where the Knicks are in terms of relevance right now. Yeah. Um, but as you said, yes, Kenny Atkinson, the new coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Sounds the name sounds like Randy Watson, so maybe we can call him sexual Watson. chocolate Kenny yeah, Atkinson. There you go. Um the twenty first head coach in the franchise's NBA history, per the press release put together by the PR team that's apparently uh, one man shorter than it was in flux last week. Um some some changes going on there, according to the vertical and Howard Beck and others. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, Gary's out and uh Timmy's out. And anyway, that said you never want to hear anybody losing their job. No. So um, that said, we'll give you a little background on Kenny Atkinson here. He was, as Chris said, Mike Budenholzer's top assistant in Atlanta. In Atlanta, four playoff appearances in his four years there, Eastern Conference Finals last year. Was the team world coach in the BBVA Compass Rising Stars Challenge last year, which you might better know as the rookie sophomore game. Yes. Um, prior to his tenure at the Hawks, he was an assistant coach for four years with the Knicks under D'Antoni and others. And spent one season as the director of player development for the Houston Rockets. Now, he can't do any worse than the last guy who took an NBA job from that position. Uh, I think Sam Hinkie is now selling the Philadelphia Daily News on a freeway off-ramp after his tenure as a Sixers GM. I think I saw him last week trying to panhandle for change on Broad Street. But there you go. Kenny Atkinson, longtime assistant, first head coaching gig. As Devin mentioned in part of the conversation we had Thursday where we talked about how Messina might be the perfect head coach based on various things. Kenny, first time, long time. <laughs> Sorry. This is this is a perfect hire in also the way that you said about we're not getting a big name just to compete. It's a perfect hire, and it's a new guy, new system, new GM. We're going to grow into this thing, and it's right. not going to be – it's not JVG coming in here for a quick paycheck and bailing when times get tough. Or not only that, it's not JVG coming in here with pressure on him to win with, you yep. know, not all the. Or Tom Thibodeau or anybody like that. Not all the groceries in the kitchen, if you will. An old right. Bill Parcells uh, throwback to his days with the Patriots and Robert Kraft. But the the good thing about this is, is what I brought up at the outset. It's the fact that the Nets are now in place in the front office. The Nets are now in place on the sidelines. He will build his staff. That is done. Now what the Nets have to do is Sean Marks and the new hire, Atkinson, Kenny Atkinson, have to go into free agency, and they have to make some kind of splash. They have to. They have to start moving forward because Brooke Lopez is not getting any younger. He's not. He stayed healthy this whole season. And that's one of the first seasons he's been healthy straight through in about, what, four years? It's been a while, yeah. It's been a while since he has had a – his first three years, he played all 82 two, games. Two years ago, I think he was good for the most part and just missed a few games right. here and there. Right, but, yeah. but he's been spotty. So yeah. this year was a – was a pretty decent year, kind of reminiscent of his first three seasons with the Nets. They did shut him down for the last six games of the season with Thad Young. And that was just don't go out and tear your ACL right. in the meaningless last two weeks of the because season. Because we might was. we might spin you for a pick or trade you for somebody, or we're going to keep you and keep you healthy. Either way, really, because I, I really thought it was let's get Willie Reed and Henry Sims some good run. No, no it wasn't that. Okay. No, I, I guess you want to see what they had in them, but it, no, it's yeah, it it's was... obvious. You know, look. 
you signed Kilpatrick. The guy can give you energy off the bench. That's your guy off the bench. Maybe not the sixth he's, guy. He's the only net, by the way, that didn't start a game this year that was on the team at the end. Hmm. Every, every, even Henry Sims got a start or two, as did Chris McCullough. But him and Bargnani were the only two of the 17 players the Nets used that didn't start a game. I'm glad you brought up Bargnani because that is something that cannot happen in this offseason. Just because you have money with the cap doesn't mean you just go out and sign somebody willy-nilly that's just out there to fill a roster hole. I would have had, rather had Billy King bring somebody in that is fighting for a job like a Kilpatrick rather than Bargnani, who you know what you're going to get well, out pretty, of. Well, I'm pretty sure one of those like decoys, the broomstick, uh, you know, the, the the broomstick on a spring would have been a better option than Andrea Bargnani. He doesn't give you any defense. He's you know he'll score 20 points and then he'll disappear for a week or two. Yeah, just. They have to be smart in free agency. I don't care you have your GM. I don't care you have your, your head coach now. Things you needed to do, obviously. But now you need to get, you need to get that big-name free agent here. And I'm not saying it has to be Kevin Durant. Be nice, but it doesn't have to be KD. Could be Mike Conley. Could right. be DeMar DeRozan. Could be... You All know. you need... Right. All you, if you, you, listen, you need a point guard, and you need, to me... You need a shooting guard, too. That's what Devin said. They want a wing, you know, an athletic wing scorer. You need a shooting guard. You do. Because you don't have that right now. If Sean Kilpatrick's your shooting guard, you're going to have a repeat of last year. You need to go out and get a top-notch point guard. And and Devin and I have talked about this before. Not somebody who per se scores, but someone who creates. A facilitator. A facilitator. But if you have a facilitating point guard and you don't have a scoring wing... What's the sense of having a facilitating point guard? You're setting up guys who can't score, with the exception of Brook and Thad. I get that. But you need someone else, either on that front line or on the wing, that's going to be able to put some points up on the board for and Brooklyn. Bogey's too streaky to be right. that guy so far. Right. Another thing about, about – He's a bench guy. Yeah, another thing about um, Another thing about Atkinson that's interesting, and this may be the kind of team the Nets build, a scrappier, you know, not necessarily superstar team, is you look at this guy's past. He played – in the CBA, the USBL, and then in five countries overseas. Mm-hmm. Went to college at Richmond, so he wasn't exactly a, a high-priced recruit, he's a spider, so to speak. But he's a spider, and he has a special place in my heart because mm-hmm. his team beat the Syracuse. They beat that Syracuse team in 88. Uh, um, and then he's, It was a two fifteen matchup. He's coached overseas. I need to know more about basket racing. The Paris Basket Racing Club. The, I know it's a basketball team, but basket racing sounds like an interesting sport. Basket racing? Yeah. Um, but he, he, he coached overseas. He coached uh, a couple of different former Soviet Republic's national teams in the 2000s. He was the head coach of the Dominican Republic team last year in the FIBA America. Like, this guy is... No, he's legit. He's got the experience. Right. He's, he, he's got the overseas cred that it seems like they wanted. Rumor has it he was the most sought after, one of the top assistants sought after be, to be a uh, head coach, and the Nets grabbed him. So good on the Nets. And they grabbed him, what, five days after yeah. the season ended? Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So you know what? Now go get some players. Go get some players, and let's turn things around next year. And I'm not saying make a championship run, but get in the playoffs. Let's go. Let's make this team competitive. Let's, let, let, let's make the Brooklyn Nets great again. Sorry. That was terrible. The New York primary is next week. That was terrible. <laughs> Chris, let me tell you something. The income inequality in this country, his what going to do. Let me tell you something. Who is that, Bernie? It's Bernie Sanders. Oh, okay. It's Larry David doing Bernie Sanders. Ah, that SNL. Everybody's retweeting mm-hmm. it and putting it on Facebook. It was terrible. 
It wasn't even funny. The yada yada. Well, SNL has not been funny. It wasn't funny. On the most part in a I long time. I didn't even smile. And I love Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Her show, uh, Veep, makes me snort when I – I mean, that is a great – come on. Come on, SNL. You're better – they have no edge. There's no edge on that show because they're afraid they're going to offend somebody. What is it that Get they, an edge. What is it that they used to describe Michael Bolton in Office Space that – or no. No talent ass clown. That would be – I think you might have to beat that out. No, I think we can use that word. It's, okay. That's safe. That and the uh, what? What is it with that? that uh, the episode of Family Guy where they have to go back in time to Cohog and Brian uh, sings Rick Astley. Never gonna give you up. Remember that? That what is it? That that mediocre average sound you've been looking for. <laughs> that's that's what SNL has become. It's that mediocre <laughs> average sketch comedy. Uh, well, listen to this. It's your cousin Marvin Marvin, Marvin Astley. Oh boy. So anyway. Maybe I, we'll maybe we'll bring Donnie on on Thursday just to talk about uh, coach a little bit. You mean Wednesday or Wednesday? I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll shoot him a text and see if he could pop on on Wednesday. Sounds good. That sounds good, Peter. What? And I'm going to see. Uh, I'm going to Scranton tomorrow. Scranton. How about that? The Electric City. Yeah, two and a half hours. Leaving here around tenish. There's a lovely Outback Steakhouse nearby that I've eaten at, I think, every time I've gone to Scranton. Well, Eric and I are low-maintenance. We'll probably just uh, get there, uh, hit Starbucks. Have a Dodger dog. There's a Sonic on the way out there, too. We'll probably do something like that. that. Maybe a Chick-fil-A. I'll, I don't know I'll, if there's I'll, anything out there. I'll do a map. There's no there's Wawa's out there, either. No. Nipa is not Wawa country. No, Northeast PA. I only for hit, all of you wondering. I only hit one this weekend, in case you're wondering. I was in Philadelphia for Did you about get a hot dog? 20 hours. Did you get a hot dog? No, Did you get a hot sausage and egg sandwich I got that's sausage, under the... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sausage, egg, and cheese on a bagel. My, my wife, I, she never saw Wawa in her life. She comes to New Jersey to visit me, and I had a baseball game early on Sunday morning, so we stopped at Wawa to get something to eat. And she grabbed the sausage, egg, and cheese. And she finishes it, and she looks at me, and she goes, that was the best friggin' sausage, egg, and cheese I've ever had in my life. <laughs> it was under a heat lamp at Wawa, for crying out They're loud. pretty good. They're th- yeah. that's, that's the breakfast spot, that or Starbucks, when we go to Tampa every year, because there's now one on the Dale Mabry down by our hotel. So I, I'm trying to convince uh, our buddy John at the diner to, to get – I said, what, how much of something do you need to order? in order to have it as a special and get rid of it for breakfast or brunch on a Sunday morning because they do a big mm-hmm. blowout brunch over there. And I said, I guarantee you, if you have a pork roll, egg, and cheese sandwich, you will sell out of the five pounds of pork roll. What if they buy Taylor ham instead? It's the same thing. I know. <laughs> but he said that. He says, you mean Taylor ham? No, I mean pork roll. <laughs> I was, I, I gotta <laughs> That's be what I mean. I got to be honest. Having lived in Philly for – Four and a half years. Hoagie. And, and Hoagie. Hoagies. Hoagies and water ice. Um, water. I, I was never a big fan of the pork roll, like the, the Jersey Philly. Uh, uh-huh. Not a big fan of the pork roll or the Taylor ham or whatever you want to yeah, call it. Okay. Nor, nor was I a big fan of scrapple. I never had scrapple. I mean, I've had it. I'm just it was not a big in front fan. of me. I just never had it. I'm just not a big fan. But while I can go to town on what, Wawa pretzels. What is scrapple, by the way? Pork scraps. Pork scraps and cornmeal. Formed into a loaf and then cut and fried. Sounds delectable. Yeah, it's fantastic. And it's, it's fried. It's everything that doesn't make a hot dog. 
comes the Scrapple. That's pretty much it. Or as they might say, everything but the oink. Mouths and... Yeah. <laughs> it's what Tanner Boyle says. In, you know what I'm talking yes, about. Yeah. Yes, I do. So. <laughs> oh, boy. I'll take anyway. things we can't say on the podcast. Yes, exactly, mind. which is why I mouthed it. But uh, but I did come home with three half gallons of Wawa iced tea and a, and a cheese, uh, nice. a, a cheddar cheese stuffed pretzel. So it was a nice. win-win for me. There you go. After having a sausage, egg, and cheese and a nice coffee. I miss the Wawa. Mm-hmm. I do. Cumberland Farms just doesn't cut it for me here in Connecticut. The hotel, the hotel I ended up staying at Friday night was right next to a Wawa. I was like, yeah, it's great. It worked out well. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to go to Scranton tomorrow. Getting to, getting to see Nick Swisher. Going to interview him. Going to see if uh, your buddy Ben Gamel, your buddy Rob Refsnyder, and your buddy... Uh, Ben Gamble in his straight California flow haircut. Yes, and here come the judge. Here come the judge. Uh, we're going to see if they're around. We're going to He's hitting like 350 this year through the first week and a half for them. He, he hey. is rape, he's raking. Yeah. And he strikes out a lot, but, you know. Strike out a lot. Hit 350. Sign that man. Smithers, who is that man? Uh, judge, sir. One of the drones in Sector 7 right field. Uh-huh. There you <clears> go. <throat> um, so, yeah, we're going to talk to Nick about many things. About uh, being back in the Yankees organization, about uh, being a dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, he became a dad his first year with the uh, yep. tr- tribe. He and Joanna have a daughter. Right, right? in 2013, yep. and they're expecting another girl. So we'll talk to him about daddyhood. I, it's just him as a dad, just like, how good would that be? If you were a Nick Swisher. <sighs> Can you imagine him being at the park with, uh, like, it's just. Knowing Nick Swisher and having covered him and then imagining yeah. him in situations of normal life, so to speak, it's just – it's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. You you mean you're out of that? Oh, you know, I'll just – you know, if you're out of mint chocolate chip, whatever, man, we'll just go chocolate. <laughs> like just random stuff like that. See, like, but one of the – That's Swisher's personality. One of the biggest juxtapositions with that personality, this is what I want to ask him, is, you know, he is like the – he is – Positivity personified. Like you went to him to get some positivity out of any negative situation. And when when it's like a team-wide thing, it's one thing. But when it's yourself and you're battling through injuries and now you're battling to get back to the majors, that whole thing has to, you know. How do you stay positive in that? Right. You know, it's funny. How do you keep smiling? How do you keep doing what mm-hmm. you do when you know you're basically battling for your baseball life right now? One of, one of our yes affiliates, River Avenue Blues, mm-hmm. does a does does a thing. If you if you ever want to keep tabs on the minor league system as much as I do, they they do a thing every day called Down on the Farm, and it's kind of a not a recap, but just like here's some highlights of what happened in the minor leagues that day. So you know, guys that had good or specifically bad nights in Scranton, Trenton, Charleston, Tampa, and then the lower affiliates as they get started in the middle of the summer, and. Uh, they posted a picture from the Rail Riders of, of Swisher taking the field on his first day, and he, he had was a happy. giant smile on his face. <laughs> and the caption was perfect. It was just like, I doubt any 15-year Major League veteran would be this happy to be playing in AAA. Yeah. Like, that's just, that's just the way Swish is. That's who he is. And uh, I'm very excited to be able to talk to him tomorrow. And uh, hopefully by Wednesday or Thursday, you'll see that on – or Friday when I host BP. 
uh, I could introduce it when I host either Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. But we're going to get them from every angle, fatherhood, back with the Yankees, dealing with the injuries, being at Scranton, uh, being around the young players, what his thoughts are on ref and judge and gamble. I know it's only been a couple of days, but... You know, there's a lot Slade of Heath got there yes, too. He's Slade having Heath a tough got, season, but uh, there, there's a lot of excitement down there. Yep. So I want to get his opinion on all that stuff. And you know, if we were trying to, we were racking our brains. Um, Maybe you can hitch a ride on the Scranton shuttle when you go out there because it's already been fired up. Yeah, it has been. Time, it has been, and we'll talk to, talk about that in a second. But um, I forgot what I was going to say. Picking now. Swisher's brain was Dang where it. you were going. Yeah, but I forgot what I was going to say. It, my my mind is a sieve. I saw we must have been all those hits I took in Pop Warner football to the head. Ugh. Must have been all those hits I took to the head in Pop Warner football. Did I say that twice? Who? <sighs> I'm sitting here. I'm anyway. flexing my left hand because I played. Uh, I was in Philly this weekend for softball uh-huh. and uh, I jam got a jam shot on one of my swings and my whatever whatever the, all jacked up? whatever the hand version of your instep of your foot is right here in between your your forefinger oh, yeah. and your thumb oh yeah i know is is a little you can see it's a little swollen yeah. it's still a little sore yeah so yeah. i was aiming for the train tracks on my last swing and i popped the ball straight up <laughs> yeah so we, we won by 20 it's okay. t- tomorrow will be fun uh i'm hosting bp again friday saturday and sunday um which should be great, too, against the Rays. And, oh, that's what we were doing. That's what I was going to say. We were racking our brains during our pre-production meetings on BP. You know, Swisher's down there, but, the you know, you'd like to see him back up here. But, you know, the re- the first reason we came up with that he would be back up here is that Mark Teixeira's hurt. And if Nick Teixeira's up because Mark Teixeira's hurt, or if Nick Swisher's up because Mark Teixeira's hurt, that's a big yeah, that's Yan- a big thing. The Yankees have some some big time problems, but we continue to think and if and Swisher got a hit in his first game at, uh, playing DH and if he continues to hit and Dustin Ackley doesn't Nick Swisher might be up here now. The only the yeah, the the only thing that saves Ackley is his ability to play second base, but if Ronald Torres is playing the way he's been playing right. and you have Ref Snyder down in AAA who could right. even though he's learning third could theoretically come up and be an option at second base if needed. Makes Ackley uh, how know, you say expendable. Expendable? He's he's sort of fallen into the Garrett Jones role early on this year. He's got like the least the the least amount of at bats. Yeah. So far, through two weeks, eleven games, and a rainout. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're supposed weird. To, we're supposed to go Thursday, but we bumped it up to Tuesday because we just wanted to make sure he was still in screen. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, that's going to be fun tomorrow. But enough about the AAA team. The big club finally, you know, got some runs against the Seattle Mariners and, and got a. Big-time series-ending victory, 4-3. Uh, Brett Gardner got a, got a hit with uh, runners in scoring position. <laughs> they were 1-for-35 in that series. They were 0-for-12 on Friday night when I was there, and I think 0-for-11 or 0-for-12, over somewhere around there on Saturday as well <clears throat> before coming. And against Felix, I mean, they had run- it seemed like they had runners on almost every inning he was in there. Um, Carnes... I don't think they threatened as much with Carnes as they did with Hernandez, but uh, Carnes worked hard. But he did. They got, he got the outs he needed to. You know, looking at the score sheet, and I have it at my desk. I, sh- I could have brought it in, but 
it, I said to, to one of the other guys in the press box, too, it's not like they were like, okay, a guy, you know, they got a two-out single and then the guy got stranded on on first or, you know, somebody walked or whatever and things happened. They were stranding runners on second and third every inning. The bases loaded. You know, Mark Teixeira comes up with the bases loaded and grounds out. Yeah. They had two on and nobody out, and Carnes strikes out the side in the fourth inning. It's... It was the fourth inning in both of those games. It wasn't the fourth like the, inning yeah. with Hernandez. It wasn't too. like they went over twelve with runners in scoring position because they got a guy on, on second with two outs every inning and then made the next out. Like they were going zero for two and zero for three in innings to get to that number. I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think against Carnes they had second and third nobody out. Yeah, and and, and, and Carnes struck out the side. Yeah, and didn't get a run home. That's that's the inning where he got both Headley and Ellsbury, Ellsbury looking right. Mm-hmm. Correct. Speaking of and to and to die with your bat on your shoulder, I mean, come on. Carlos Beltran can identify with that. Come back about ten years ago. Uh, Mets Cardinals. Yeah. Hello. Um, speaking of, of ways that Nick Swisher could get in the lineup, did Jacoby Ellsbury forget how to play center field this weekend? Yeah, that he, was. He didn't. He didn't look. Uh, he didn't look good. He lollygagged uh, with Cattell Marte. Yep. Running on the pitch. Um, Kettle and tonic Marte. Yes. There you go. Oh, good one. Like Chris Berman over there. No, Jacoby, he had a rough series on both sides of the ball, um, which a lot of people have pointed out that, you know, it's like, whoa, wait a minute, where'd this come from? He's not like he's ever been a gold glove center fielder, right. but he's been a very good center fielder. And this weekend, just what, it, that, was, that wasn't there. I mean, you know, you look at the outfield, you talk about Swisher. Beltran is 38 years old. And if something happens. He's your best hitter right now. You know, if something happens to Alex, per se, do you. Put Swisher in right field and let Beltran DH if Swisher comes up? Do you, Absolutely. Because you know, Aaron Hicks hasn't been great Absolutely. either. Absolutely. I protect Beltran. He's your best hitter right now. I protect yeah. him as much as possible. You know, Josh Isaac, our producer, said that yesterday. You know, if Alex could play in the field, you could have DH Beltran yesterday. It's it's a very tough, and, and we can we can talk mostly about Alex if you want, because it's a very tough situation right now. He's owed a lot of money over the next few years. And yeah. he, he had a very good season. He's got one left he after a, this. He had a very good four months, actually, last year. His August was pretty crappy. He hit seven home runs in September, but that was about it. His average was terrible. He looks now in April like he looked in September last year. He has four hits, and two of them are home runs. Yeah. I mean, and it, that's, that's almost Robinson Cano-esque. He hit a ground ball to, sh- no, to Donaldson in Toronto. And it's all dirt up there now. He could barely run. If you saw him running the first, I don't know if he was just Cadillac in it because it was a ground ball. But Donaldson had to make a diving play, and he got A-Rod by at least 15 feet. I think it's, it's, a, it's more a little bit of he knows where his limit is, so that's it. This I know is what that, you too. Get. I know that, too. You know? Like, I don't want to push it and, and get hurt. He's 40 with two bad hips. Obviously. Uh, yeah, I get it. But that is another red yeah. flag. You know, if he, if he can't run with the hips, how is he going to – how is he hitting with the hips? Because the home run he hit yesterday was a two-seam fastball from Iwakuma. And if you look at the replay, it's all hands. I mean, he, it, it looked like he was out already on his front foot, and he just flicked his wrist, and that thing got out in a hurry. Mm-hmm. It, it's tough, too, because we, we, were, we were talking about this, and, and it's, it's not jokingly, unfortunately – Taping the, the the next edition of the of our of our Facebook Ford Pinstripe preview mm-hmm. um, with Bob and Jack yesterday, mm-hmm. and Jack mentions how you know Iwakuma was a good matchup for Alex because of his fastball. That's not that's not a glowing endorsement. 
that this guy's a good matchup because his fastball only sits in the mid to high 80s. Yeah. Because there's not very many pitchers in Major no. League Baseball that do that. Iwakuma knows how to pitch. He, you know, he's not Greg Maddox in terms of turning an 88-mile-an-hour fastball into a Hall of Fame career, but he does know how to pitch. But it's not a glowing endorsement of this guy that he can't catch up to fastball. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's not good. And his entire – because he doesn't play the field – That was his problem at the beginning of last year, too. Yeah. Because he doesn't play the field, his entire – usefulness, for lack of a better word, to the Yankees ties up and he needs to hit. And if he doesn't, the last thing anyone wants to happen to Alex Rodriguez is to see him get, as I'm going to call it, Alfonso Soriano'd. Where it's just, you know what? You had the bounce. You know, Soriano was rejuvenated when he came here a couple years ago, had a good second half, and then just, that was it. And ended ended up getting cut. The Yankees owe A-Rod so much money. And he's so close to milestones, and he's listening. Like, the last thing you want to see is just the Yankees come July. He's hitting 180 with six home runs, and they're like, we can't do this anymore. No. You know, we, we have a better shot of winning ball games with somebody other than you. It's the last thing you want to see for a player the caliber of Alex Rodriguez. Would you rather see a guy like Judge come up and a guy that could catch up to a 95 to 97 mile an hour fastball, maybe strikes out a little bit, but he's going to catch it? Or, or do you want a guy who can only hit an 80, 87 to 88 mile an hour fastball? Or do you want to see, like you said, do you want to see what Aaron Hicks is made of every day? And instead of, you know, you're, you're already paying A-Rod the money, so you and, can't necessarily go out and get a big, big money thing. And D.H. Beltron. But do you see what Aaron Hicks has every day in D.H. Beltran? Do you maybe platoon Ackley and some Swisher in right field mm-hmm. based on lefty and you just let you let Swisher hit exclusively lefty? Right. Um, or exclusively righty, depending on the, the platoon splits, if it's somebody other than Ackley, mm-hmm. and, and go from there. I mean, it's tough to talk about – it's tough to talk about trends and things you see 11 games into a season, especially when the season's been as weird with – Opening day getting rained out, then a game getting snowed out in Detroit, and then a day off and but this is, in the middle of a homestand and this and that. But This is New York, and, you know, we heard Joe say – Wally Matthews tweeted it out uh, from one of his press conferences. Something about asking if Alex was going to be in the lineup the next day. It was Friday night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and <laughs> I got to take the Wally Matthews Twitter, Twitter avoidance course because I had somebody hammering me about a stupid issue what? on Friday night. So – so Aaron, on Twitter, on Twitter, so Aaron Hicks comes up to bat for Ackley in the se- I think it was the seventh inning, mm-hmm. two out, nobody on. The Yankees were down, I believe it was five one at that point. Yeah, it was five one because they got Seattle got like a run in the third, two in the fourth, and then like a run in every. It was just like a like they put up a picket fence mm-hmm. in the late innings. And somebody asked him, "Well, why did you hit with Hicks instead of you know instead of A Rod?" And Joe was like, "Well, there's nobody on." Which, to be fair, that was the DH spot. So, okay, there's nobody on. You want to get somebody on base. You know, it's Alex. You're going to have to pinch run for him, this and that, whatever. Like, okay, I get that. Uh-huh. And then the whole thing happened with Will Alex being in the lineup. People were just surprised that Alex was out of the lineup against Nathan Carnes and not, you know, Felix Hernandez day game after a night game kind of thing. It was, it was a little bit backwards of the way Joe usually tends to do things like that. So... You know, and I said, I understand that. Alex is, you know, three for 25 right now or whatever he was at that point in the season. And the guy comes back and he's like, oh, Hicks has looked atrocious and this and that. He's got a lower batting average than A-Rod. It was one for 11 versus three for 25. I mean. Apples and apples. It's it's, it's April 15th here, guys. I mean, you, A-Rod's a known quantity, yes, but. Well, 
You know, go like, back, go back to Didi. People wanted to crucify yeah. Didi last year and look at the second half he had. But and I'm not comparing Didi to to A Rod because that's apples to oranges. And uh, you know, Didi is young and was able to turn things around and he was taking over for Derek Jeter at mm-hmm. shortstop for crying out loud. So he gets a bit of a pass in my book for that. But as far as Alex goes, like you said, it's only what? 11 games mm-hmm. uh, to this point before they start their three game series with the A's uh, tomorrow, Tuesday. Um, but right now it doesn't look promising and what Alex and what Joe have to, and I know Joe gets it. I mean, it's New York and the questions are going to come. He's 40. He's this, he's that. Well, he's he even said hitting. that he's like, you know, it's not an issue. You know, this was Joe's exact quote to it, not to a T, but for the most part, and I may paraphrase a little bit, but this is the 90% exact gist of what he said. He said, you know, if you're 400 bats into a season and you're hitting 270 and you go for 14, yeah, nobody's going to say yep. a lot of things. Yeah. But if you're, but when it's this early in the season and you're forty and you're Alex Rodriguez, everything magnifies it up a level. The problem is, okay, yes, it's April fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth. Now, when that becomes May fifteenth and then June fifteenth, now you have an issue. When and that's what they're trying to. When avoid. he's hurting the team on a night in, night out basis in May, in June, if it lasts that long. Then what do you do? Yeah. And, you know, I can I can identify with what Mark Teixeira said Friday night, too. He was one of the few Yankees that actually wanted to talk to us after that, that game. And he said, you know, sometimes you know, you're just not going to get the big hits. It wasn't our night. We were battling. We were taking walks. You know, our approach was good. It's not like you saw guys swinging at balls in the dirt or giving up or whatever. So our approach was good. We just didn't get the big hit. And, yes, that works on a game maybe two bases. When you go through a week where you're, like you said, three, three for 50 mm-hmm. – you know, they were three for thirty something in Toronto and and zero for twenty five in the first. They weren't good. When you go through a week where you have a, a one hundred batting average and fifty at bats with runners in scoring position, that's not a. It just wasn't our night. That's a. What the hell is going on here? Yeah, yeah. Because it's everybody. It's team wide. Yeah. When you're zero for thirty four or one for thirty five, I'm sorry, but they went into that game zero for twenty four in the first two games against the Mariners with runners in scoring position and ended up one for 11 in the last game. I mean, even A-Rod made light of it in his postgame where he said it's a good thing McCann was on first and everybody was dead silent because they didn't get what he was saying, that he wasn't in scoring position, <laughs> which was, which to be fair, Alex Rodriguez and that type of humor usually aren't correlated together, yeah. but it was, you know, it, it was unfortunately a salient point at that point in time. It was. <clears throat> in fact, we were watching the game, Josh and I, and it gets over the wall, and he goes, they're still over with runners in scoring yeah. position. <laughs> they did draw – I mean, they did draw a walk uh, with a runner in scoring position on – I forget which inning it was, but there was somebody on second and two outs, and then somebody drew a walk, and then the next guy made it. And it might have been Teixeira's at bat where the walk loaded the bases. It but was like, Teixeira. It was then, Teixeira. You know, the walk before him loaded the bases, and then he grounded out. Mm-hmm. But we can't talk about one positive on this team. And that is Andrew Miller and Dellen And Dellen Batances, absolutely. 41 batters. 27 Ks. 27 Ks, 30, 33 outs. They've pitched 11 innings to combine. So 41 batters they face, 33 outs. They've gotten 27 by strikeout. Oh, 27 by, yeah. 27. That's, that's sick. And the last 12, right? The last 12, yeah, because they both struck out the side this weekend. Eighth, ninth, eighth, ninth. Last two games against the Mariners. That's video game. That's... 
That's Bugs Bunny. Strike one, strike two, yeah. strike three, you're out. Strike that's one, a, strike two, strike three, you're out. The Gas House Gorillas? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That, that's video game. I mean, to, back to the point about the batting averages, as we used to joke, me and my friend Nick back in the day, we used to play sports talk baseball for uh-huh. Sega Genesis, which came out in the early 90s when the Braves dynasty was just beginning. Whatever year the stats were based on for that year, Mike Stanton was one for two. Mike, Mike Stanton of Yankees fame. Mm-hmm. Was one for two. He had two at-bats randomly, probably in, like, the extra innings of, of some game. So he had a 500 average. But the computer algorithms weren't exactly sophisticated in 1992. So a 500 hitter, every time he came up, he had a 50% chance of getting a hit. So you're, you're in the late innings of a game. If he's going to come in, we would pinch hit with Mike Stanton if we were using the Braves because, hell. Stanley. He had a 50% chance. Mike Stanley. No, Mike Stanton, the pitcher. Oh, my God. That's what really? I'm saying. Really? I thought you were talking about Mike Stanley. No, the computer algorithms or whatever weren't oh weren't as great. So The reliever? The reliever. He was one for two the season before because he must have got two at-bats. Because I remember tremendous. looking it up one time, like a long time later. He was one for two. And so the computer said every time he gets up, he's got a 50-50 shot again to hit. Why wouldn't you pinch hit with him in a video game? I, I, I know the pitching hasn't given you length. And Masahiro Tanaka was the first starter to go seven. And CC was the only other one to get to go six, six. At, before that. A guy battling for who had the, that? Who had that in the pool? A guy battling for the fifth spot in yeah. spring training is the first guy to give you six innings. Yeah. Anyway. And Ivan Nova was like the second guy to give you four. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. But my point is they might not have been great up until this point. They might not be what the Yankees need them to be. However, they are putting the Yankees in a position to win. There's only a couple of games that were the 7-1 Mariner game. But even in that one, they were in it. Well, you can look at take, – take away their five wins, okay? You just, just look at their six losses right now. Opening day, that was Betances. That, that, wasn't Tanaka, that wasn't on Tanaka. That was on Betances' error. And that was the throw, With the yeah. Carlos Correa issue, so that's fine. What was that, 5-2, that final? I think was the final, yeah. Their, their one loss in Detroit, okay, Severino got beat around Four a little nothing. bit. 4 nothing. Yeah, Severino got beat up a little bit. But you got to score but, to win. Yeah, you also, you're not going to win any games with zero runs. And plus, that was uh, the day he sat Alex McCann and... And uh, Tex, I believe. I think Beltran. One, it was three, three of them were out. It was McCann and A-Rod and somebody. I think it was Beltran. Those three guys were out. And you're putting that kid out there for his first start of the season. That, yep. that that's a little rough with that lineup. And yep. it was their opening day yep. too. Their so. their two losses in Toronto were what three two and four three. Right. Something. Like, I mean, they weren't. Right. They, they weren't blowouts. They're in the game. Right. So the only one I could really think of is the seven one loss to the Mariners, where later in the game, like you said, they put up that picket fence across the scoreboard, and they pulled away. They're keeping this team in the game. If the Yankees. Weren't one for 35, and I don't know what the number was like in the because it went back to the Toronto series. I think it was something like three for 43. I believe they were three for three, yeah, three for 30 something in the Toronto series. I somebody threw out the exact number because Brett Gardner was talking about it. He's like, Well, I didn't know that was the exact numbers, but it doesn't sound good, yeah, because it's not. No, it's not. But can you imagine if they actually were able to get some big hits with runners in scoring position? They're, 
their record would be different right now. And, right. you know, people who want to sit here and poo-poo the pitching. And, look, I know you want your starters to go more than five. And Avaldi has to give you more. And Pineda has to give you more. And Tanaka has to do more what he did. He's got to be out there seven innings a start. He can't come into his third start averaging five innings per start. No. He can't. No. He, not as an ace. That can't happen. No. And he doesn't want that to happen either. And Avaldi is the other curious case because – He's a guy that has number one type stuff, but if it doesn't click in a couple of years, he's going to be that guy that's on a on a one year. He's going to be on the Chris Capuano rotating one year contract. Right. If it doesn't click, he's going to be singing for his supper because with like unbelievable stuff. Don't matter if it's a hundred if you know where it's going. Exactly. Then it's all timing. I'm I'm looking up the exact game results for the Yankees so far on Baseball Reference Com. Is that the French version? <laughs> Le baseball. Uh, yeah, five three four zero seven se- the seven two game in Toronto Pineda. Okay, yeah, that's, right. That's that's right, the right, one that right, stands right, out. Right. Okay, four two the other loss seven one against Seattle was a good chunk of the bullpen, and then three two to Felix Hernandez. And that's another game where they didn't get the hit when they needed to, and they could have gotten him out of that game early, and he wasn't throwing hard. Yeah. So they were primed to get a couple of wins against Seattle, whether it was the back two or or whatever. In their six losses, they've scored three, zero, two, two, one, and two. So two, four, six, seven, ten. They scored ten runs in their six losses. They scored sixteen in their first win of the season alone. Yeah, and eight in two of the next three games that they won. So it's not the pitching guy. It, it, it's it's not. It's it's not the, they're not doing great, but they're not hurting the team. And the back end is at unbelievable. Least, at least not now, while the bullpen has time to regroup because of all the off days and cancellations. Right, 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 right. So Batantis and Miller get the day off today, and right. they could be back out there if if needed for the A's uh, first game. Right. Ten runs and six losses. Not gonna. That, no, that's, not gonna. Yeah, not gonna. Not gonna win you a game. Yeah, nope. And in their five wins, sixteen, eight, eight, three, and four. Feast or famine. Feast or famine, indeed. And it's going to have to be a feast because those pitchers, you know, they're not going to go out there and give you seven shutout innings. They're going to go out there and they're going to be effective. They might give you quality starts. I mean, CC in his last start, he was one out away from giving you a quality outing. One out. One out from back-to-back six, six innings. And I know I, Joe had to take him out in the situation he took him out in. But he was one out away from back-to-back six-inning starts. How is CC spinning six and Avaldi and Pineda are not? Explain that to me. Just looking at him right now, Masahiro Tanaka, three starts, 17 and two-thirds innings. So that's five and two-thirds, not quite yeah. six. Yeah. So he's averaging six innings a start roughly. Avaldi, two starts, 11 and two-thirds. That's just under six. Pineda, two starts, 11 innings, five. Five and a third. Five and change. Yeah. Sabathia, 10 and two-thirds and two starts. Severino, 10 and two-thirds. So those are both five and a third. They're not going to average seven innings a start. All year. Nobody does anymore and outside of the elites. And don't forget, but CC Sabathia, he's your five starter. You can't expect CC to give you eight anymore, seven anymore. If he does, it's great. Yeah. But he's not going to do it. He's your fifth starter. What he's giving you right now as a fifth starter is exactly what the Yankees probably hoped he would give you. The offense has to start clicking, especially when he's on the mound. Mm-hmm. 
That's what has to happen. And, you know, Girardi even said it's too early to, to call things a calamity after two starts. And you look at, I mean, Tanaka is a 3.06 ERA. Ovaldi's is almost seven. Pineda's is six and a half. Severino's is six. And Sabathia's is five. They're all two starts. But then look at the bullpen. Andrew Miller, five games, five innings, three saves already. Uh, two hits, zero walks, 12 strikeouts. Johnny point, Barbados doing and good. A point four whip and a 21.6 strikeout per nine ratio for Andrew Miller. Dellen Batances. Six games, six innings, three runs. All of them were the unearned runs in right. that first game. Other right. than that, three hits, two walks, 15 strikeouts. Still a <laughs> still a .833 whip and a 22.5K per nine. 15 strikeouts yeah. in six innings. Yeah. I know. Johnny Barbado, five games, six innings, two walks, two hits, nine strikeouts. A 13.5K per nine and a .667 whip for this guy who's a rookie. Keep in mind. And then Jason Shreve, five games, four and a third innings, three hits, one walk, two strikeouts, but he's got a .92 whip and hasn't been scored upon in four and a third innings. He's been a little bit more of a lefty specialist type right. this year and not as effective as he was in spring training, but he didn't allow a base runner until the last game he pitched in spring training. And now he's – that's that's not bad. It's carrying over. And you got to roll this Chapman coming back in 21 games. Yeah. 20. 19. And you can't – you can't just sit there as a Yankee fan and say, well, all we need is five innings because the bullpen will take over. Oh, really? So from May 9th through September into October, the bullpen is going to pitch four innings. Who? Who? Like I said, the Scranton shuttle's already been fired up twice. So I just put it on the tee for you. Yeah. The Olsen, the Olsen one was, you know, that Mariners have a lot of lefties. But then he came out and he pitched two, what, two and two-thirds innings. He kind of mm-hmm. did the take one for the team outing. And somebody asked Joe about that, too. He's like, oh, we'll talk about that. It's like everybody knew he was going back to AAA and somebody mm-hmm. was coming up. Because mm-hmm. you just knew as soon as Olsen came out. You need a fresh arm. As soon as he came out for the ninth inning in a 6-1 game, you knew he was going back to Scranton the next day. Because mm-hmm. two innings on a night game after a day game was going to render him unavailable most likely anyway. Three innings on a Friday night, and he's done for the weekend. So... Now he's done for a while because he can't come back up for another eight days. They should set up like a helicopter. Bullet train? No, I'm thinking like, um, what was the movie? Al Percolo. Um, I ain't got nothing. No, no, no. The, the Brendan Fraser was the pitcher and the Yankees signed him. Oh, the, uh, was it the scout? The scout. Steve Nebraska? Steve Nebraska. There you go. I, I said the agent's name, Al Percolo. Okay. Uh, or the scout's name, Al Percolo, sorry. Um, helicoptered him in. Yeah, okay. The boss loved it. George, these calzones are great. Did you watch BP yesterday by any chance? Unfortunately, no, I did not. I was I was away this weekend. We did the top, there in the top Mariners' top 10 home run hitters on their franchise list, five of them. Are ex-Yankees? Yes. Ooh, can I take a guess? Yeah. Since I didn't see this. Right. Yeah. One of them is probably Jay Buhner. Bingo. Uh, Ken Phelps in Bingo. there? Bingo. Okay, that's two. That's exactly how uh, I started is off. Is Blowers in there? That's exactly how I started okay. off. And no. No, no Blowers? <laughs> all right. Uh, is Henry Cotto in there? No. no. Uh, all right, so let's see. So you got Ken Phelps and Jay Buhner, the two guys who were traded for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Tino? No. Wow. Only has 88. He's not in the top 10. A-Rod, obviously. Bingo! Yeah. That was the obvious one I didn't get either until the third one. Um... 
Robbie Cano's not in the top ten yet, is he? No. Okay. Um, crap. The Mariners haven't been around that long. That's the thing. Ken Griffey Sr.? No. One guy was very tall, played for the Indians as well. I'm playing the Jeopardy song. Um, Richie Sexton? Bingo. There's four. And I forgot the fifth one, so good luck. <laughs> Luis Polonia. No, I, I can't remember. But uh, it was written in prompter, Alex, Sexton, and the other one. And then, and then of course, Buner and Ken Phelps in the Seinfeld reference. So instead of reading the copy on the prompter, I got through the three at the top. And then I said, and the other two... How could you trade Jay Buna for Ken Phelps? He had a rocket for an arm. You don't know what you're doing. No, George. It was great. I'm, I'm like totally stumped. On Jack Curry liked now. it. I'm totally stumped on who that could be now. I, you keep talking. I'll be right back. I mean, I can't imagine that the, I can't imagine that the, uh, the list is terribly long. If, if Tino Martinez isn't in it, I, I know it can't be Russ Davis. It's not Russ Davis, right? I guessed him too. Omar Vizquel? Nope. (laughs) That was a joke. I feel like I feel like it would have had to have been some like it would have been somebody that played for the Yankees for a brief period in time. Like somebody like somebody like a Raul Mondesi, but not Raul Mondesi. Close. I don't know. Who is it? Raul. Ibanez. Bingo. Oh, man. <laughs> How could you forget Raul? Exactly. Had two of the biggest home runs of the Yankees yes. season in 2012. Yes. 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 That was Al Leiter. Sorry. That's a pretty impressive list. Yeah, it is. And on that note. Edgar Martinez has to be on that top ten list. Oh, absolutely. Too, obviously, right Junior's number one, obviously. Yeah. The longtime Mariner. Yeah, but there you go. <laughs> Kenji Jojima, also not on that no. list, I'm sure. Uh, Scranton, here I come. Uh, have fun. Let me know how it is. I will. I'll text you. Say hi to Michael and Dwight for me. I will. Okay. I'll bring home some paper. Super. Maybe Todd Packer will be around. Maybe do some. Back. Maybe do some planking with uh, what's her face. She's on the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt now. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of her name. Aaron. Aaron. The re- yeah. I was like the, the receptionist. receptionist. Yeah. Yes, the receptionist. Ellie Kemper. I couldn't think Ellie of her Kemper. character's name. Yes. And, uh, Put on your jam jams and watch some Glee with her and Gabe. We'll leave Gabe out of this. Okay. Yeah, we'll leave Gabe out of this. Just just me and Aaron. I think that would suffice. Okay. Maybe in her Buick? Yes. <laughs> Love that show. I've heard really great things about the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And I know it's season great. two is now. It's great. Now we're just about to be available. Fire through season one. It's out. I was going to say, I know it's either. Was out on Friday. Just about, okay. Was out on Friday. All right. For Lou, I'm Chris. Later. <laughs>